we'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for September 9th, 2012. Next article, uh, which segues from our last article that we just talked about. Kesnet speaker says Obama only put Jerusalem back in the platform for the votes. Uh, it starts out by, this is from the Jerusalem Post, the addition of Jerusalem as Israel's capital to the Democratic platform does not make up for the party's original intentions. Kesnet speaker Rivlin said on Thursday, what kind of criticism stung so hard that the Democrats would react so publicly and so quickly to put Jerusalem back in the platform? The last-minute change came in the wake of mounting criticism from the Democratic members of the Congress in sense that the 2008 platform's declaration backing Jerusalem as the capital of Israel had been removed from the 2012 text. Sources close to the platform drafting process said that Obama personally intervened on reinstating the Jerusalem language, and it wasn't because he loves Jerusalem. It was purely a matter of politics and how this whole thing was viewed and the potential for him to have public backlash. The president and his advisors had their eye on the Christian and Jewish voter, which, again, to me, it would be incomprehensible that any Jewish person or Christian would even think about voting for Obama for all the reasons I've mentioned in so many different teachings. So Obama ordered, quote, God in Jerusalem to be inserted into the party platform. But his convention leaders compiled, compiled with, complied with his order so clumsily that the entire nation can see their eyes and, their, and hear with their ears just how hateful toward God and Jerusalem, and let's throw into that um, innocent unborn babies in the womb because of their rabid abortion agenda, how much hatred they have and um, how much rent, how, how much hatred they have in the rank and the foul Democrat delegates truly are, how hateful they are regarding these issues. So I thought that was a good point as well. Now, I've got done several teachings on Obama that I put here on page, well, it'll be on page 4 or 5 of the PDF for September 9th, um, 2012, that you can click on. There's a PDF, free PDF, free audio uh, teachings that we put up on contendingfortruth.com. And here's the, uh, here's the links to those previous teachings I've done. One's called The Spell and Deception of Barack Obama. I did one entitled Current Events, Rick Warren, Obama, and Hillary. Uh, that was when he was getting elected. Then Obama to abandon Israel while embracing the Islamic nations. And then is the Obama the Antichrist? And then I did another one, Obama Citizenship, Lies, and Morality Exposed. That was a two-part thing that we did. So anyway, you can click on those if you want to know more. Next article. The United States has indirectly informed Iran via two European nations that it would not back an Israeli strike against the country's nuclear facilities as long as Tehran refrains from attacking American interests in the Persian Gulf. Now, these people that go up and say, oh no, I, this has all been, Israel's wanted to wipe out all of... Israel is always the one that's attacked. When they defend themselves, they're demonized, as I've said in the past. But, and again, I've made this analogy before, the quotes that are out there that says, if Israel put down its arms and walked away and refused to fight or defend itself, they would be annihilated. 
If all the Middle East countries, all the Muslim countries, put down their arms and stopped attacking Israel, there would be peace. That's the difference. Okay? So, obviously, Israel's real concerned about Iran developing nuclear capabilities. Who wouldn't be? Iran, of all nations in the uh, Middle East, is the, I'd say, from a hatred standpoint, from a being able to back up what they're saying standpoint, with nuclear armaments, they obviously have the most potential to do the most damage, if not annihilate Israel off the map. So obviously Israel is concerned if they have nuclear capabilities, knowing that Ahmadinejad and Ayatollah Khomeini and all those guys have said our goal is total annihilation of Israel. According to the report, uh, Washington used covert back channels in Europe to clarify, and this is from Israel News, this news source, um, to clarify that the U.S. does not intend to back Israel in a strike that may spark a regional conflict. So in other words, they're saying here there's a good chance that Israel would be on its own. With Obama at the helm, why would that surprise any of us? In return, Washington reportedly expects Iran to steer clear of strategic American assets in the Persian Gulf, such as military bases and aircraft carriers. So basically what America's, through these backdoor channels, is saying is, hey, you know, you can attack Israel... Okay, we're going to try to stay out of your way. Just don't attack our our bases. Unbelievable. Israeli officials reported an unprecedented low in the two nations' defense ties, which stems from the Obama administration's desire to warn Israel against a mounting and uncoordinated attack on Iran. Unbelievable. So, again... Us getting closer and closer and closer as an, from an American militaristic standpoint of turning our back on Israel, that seems to be getting closer and closer. Again, I post my teaching here entitled Obama to Abandon Israel While Embracing the Islamic Nations and an end-time current event study and one of the topics was the timeline of disasters on the U.S. when America sells out Israel. The book that uh, Bill Koenig wrote, I believe, Eye to Eye, where he goes through all the timeline of how when every time we turn against Israel from a political, um, militaristic type of way, whenever we encourage her to give up more land, we always have some horrific disaster that happens in America within a very short period of time. It's not opinion. It's fact. It, it can be documented over and over and over again. So, anyway, I document these things in this particular study. You can click on it here. Uh, Next article. Representative Mike Rogers, the Michigan Republican who chairs the House of Intelligence Committee, says that his much-discussed meeting with, with Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu in Jerusalem late last month did, in fact, devolve into a sharp confrontation between Netanyahu and the American ambassador to Israel. The former national security official and former Obama campaign Jewish liaison, Dan Shapiro. Rogers told a Michigan radio interviewer early, earlier this week that he had not previously witnessed such a high-level confrontation. So it's between, you know, 
Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, the main guy, and our ambassador to Israel, our American ambassador to Israel. There was this gigantic confrontation that happened. Uh, He described the Israeli leaders as being at their wit's end over what they see as President Obama's unwillingness to provide them with the red lines in the effort to stop Iran's nuclear program. In other words, the red lines would be like, okay, the listen, this is the line in the sand, you better not cross it with your nuclear program. And they're looking to America to back them in stopping this uh, nuclear program that Iran's developing. Now there's an update here and it says, Representative Rogers said as uh, said as well that he believes the Israelis will probably bomb Iran if they don't get clear red lines from the U.S. In other words, they realize once Iran gets to a certain point and they have enough, let's say, nuclear armaments made, they need to stop it before it gets to that point, is what they're trying to do. They're trying to preemptively stop this. How can you blame them? All they've, all they've been done has been attacked over and over and over for decades upon decades upon decades. More lies from the Islamic community about, oh, we won't, we won't attack you, just give us more land or whatever. All these false pieces that are always broken. I mean, they're, they're liars. The Quran tells them to lie to their enemies as long as it advances the agenda of Islam. That's, that's all part of their religion. Uh, that I've documented in the past as well. Rogers, speaking to a RJR radio host, Frank Beckman, said the meeting, originally scheduled to be a discussion of intelligence and technical issues between himself and the Prime Minister, spun out of control when Netanyahu began lambasting Shapiro over the administration's Iran policy. When Beckman asked Rogers to describe the tenor of the meeting, he said, very tense. Some very sharp exchanges, and it was very, very clear that the Israelis had lost their patience with the Obama administration. Now, could you imagine if Obama's in there for another four years? <laughs> you talk about devolving. I mean, he's he's been, b- believe it or not, Obama in some ways, compared to what it would be like for another four years, he's been on his best behavior. Because there's just certain certain things that he couldn't do knowing that if he did those, it would, there would be so much public outcry probably against him being re- re-elected for a second term that he wouldn't go there. there will, those constraints will be totally off if he gets in for another four years, is the point. I understand the voting process is rigged. I voted the, I, I've said that before many, many times. There's many, many documentaries on that, proving that. But public sentiment is what they're really looking at here. So, going for, forward here... Uh, He says, he went on, he says, there was no doubt you could not walk out of that meeting and think that they had not lost their patience with this administration. It's almost like this is right on cue, you know, us turning our back on on Israel, Obama's re-election coming. I mean, it's just a lot of stuff that could definitely be on the horizon, obviously, what we reported on last week and the previous weeks about being foreign troops being on our soils and gearing up for martial law at all fronts and all the buying of ammunitions and and all of these um, weaponry that our government is gearing up for on almost, uh, on so many different levels. You know, a lot of red flags going up here. Next article. 
In the Bible, God has very specific ideas about who it is that owns the land of Israel and how he feels about people, any people, who think they can divide it up for personal, financial, or political gain. The prophet Joel laid out a very serious scenario that has God destroying all the nations that felt they had a right to divide the to divide and partition off the land. And it says in Joel 3, 2, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat and will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage, Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations. Now, doesn't that sound like exactly what's happened? They were scattered. The dysphoria, I believe, is the, the terms referred to, particularly after 70 AD, after Jesus Christ was crucified and, and you know, Jerusalem was sacked. Nation of Israel was scattered. I will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage, Israel. That's what God says about Israel. Whom they have scattered. These are, these are the nations that have scattered them. Whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. That's all they've been doing to Israel since its, since its inception decades and decades ago when it was reformed. It parted the land. Valley of Jehoshaphat. We're, we're dealing with, you know, in, in this particular context, we're dealing with the near the end of the tribulation, Armageddon, final battle type of scenario. Okay. Notice how God says that Israel is his land, and it's not up for grabs by the United Nations, the Quartet, the United, the United States, or anyone else. God won't even allow the Jews themselves to divide it up. Now let's get on to today's story. We reported back to you on August 23rd that Mitt Romney's team was fighting for inclusion of the language into the RNC platform that would support the creation of a Palestinian state. So now we've got Mitt Romney... On the same boat as, as, as Obama, not as aggressive, but on the same boat as Obama, where they're wanting a Palestinian state. Meaning a two-state, they call it the two-state solution. It's not a solution. It's a travesty. It is ridiculous. They're going to supposedly give Islam its own state and Israel its own state. You look at Israel in relation to the rest of the lands in the Middle East, and it is this tiny little sliver of a fraction of land in the nations in the Middle East, and yet all of the Middle East is absolutely, totally concerned about getting whatever they can get and taking whatever little Israel has away from her and giving it to the Islam. And all that's going to do is they're just going to move their, their bombs up closer, their, 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 their cannons and their rockets and all the other stuff. They're just going to move it up closer and take the rest. That's the only thing that's going to become of it. You, all you have to do is look at history to know that. Isn't that funny that, that Satan seems to be so concerned about Israel? Well, if Satan could figure out a way to wipe off Israel off the map, then the Bible couldn't be fulfilled. All those verses in Daniel and in the Old Testament and in Revelation where it talks about the tribulation and the end times, guess what? That doesn't get fulfilled. How are you going to have 144,000 Jews that are sealed from specific tribes, Jewish male virgins, if they're all wiped out? It's the same thing he tried to do in Genesis 6. Tried to wipe out humanity so that Jesus Christ could never come through the seed of humanity. I mean, if he wiped out all the people, how could Jesus Christ ever come? Who do you have to save? They would have all been dead. 
You understand the point here? It's the same exact tactic. That's why he's so concerned about Israel. And that's why I fight on this issue so much. Because it's so crystal clear what's going on. I'm hoping it's that crystal clear to you. It should be. I hope it is. I pray to God it is. And it's not because, again, I've given some blank check to Israel and they could do whatever they want and they're, and they're all grandfathered and they're all going to heaven. I never said that. The whole idea of John Hagee's ethnic salvation. They're saved just because they're Jews. No. That's garbage. they got to get saved the same way we do. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, His shed blood, His death, burial, and resurrection. Same way we do. And I pray to God their eyes be open. But they're, I mean, it's so obvious what's going on here in the Middle East. Jerusalem becoming a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. I mean, why is everybody so concerned about Jerusalem? Well, isn't that a confirmation of the Bible? Everybody's so concerned about Jerusalem. It's the stumbling stone and rock of offense. It's so crystal clear. This is so biblically obvious what's going on. It's confirming the word of God. That's what I'm trying to do here with the current events. I'm trying to get you to see how right the Bible is. How right the word of God is. How incredibly obvious what's going on is. I don't want it to be uh, hard or... or nebulous or, or, oh, wow, I don't know about this. I want it to be crystal clear obvious. I think God wants it to be crystal clear obvious to you. And it, and it hopefully it is. So let's go forward here. Um, so now Mitt Romney's team is has fought for inclusion of language into the Republican platform that would support the creation of a Palestinian state. There were many of you that were offended by that. Now, this is the guy writing the article. He says, in fact, you were quite vocal in your responses, using very colorful language to get your point across. In other words, how dare you you insult Mitt Romney and question his ethics? He's a good Mormon man. Oh, yeah? Go, go, key in the word Mormon in the search word box at contendingfortruth.com where I expose that devil cult from the pit of hell. I pray their souls be saved, but I'm telling you, I'm not, you're not doing them any favors letting them think that they're, that they're you know, going to heaven because they're in some wonderful cult started by a high-level occultist named Joseph Smith and perpetuated through other false prophets like Brigham Young and these other guys in their own cult belief systems when they believe in, oh, well, we use the King James Bible. Oh, yeah, well, it's, you also believe in the Book of Mormon and the Pearl of Great Price, which actually are, are a higher level than the Word of God. And wherever the Word of God contradicts those two unholy books, you'll choose the Book of Mormon and the Pearl of Great Price. Because that's what all cults do. All these stinking commercials they got on now. I was trying to watch the Weather Channel the other night, and it was like, oh, I'm this, and it's some hip guy or some hip woman, and they're, oh, they're living this wonderful little life, and, and I'm a Mormon, and that's what they say at the end. And it's, oh, it's like, wow, so you're just trying, you're a tool of Satan, and you're trying to get people into hell through this death cult. Like when you see these these little, um, uh, usually white kids, teenagers, driving around their bikes, dressed up in their white shirts and their, and their little helmets, and they're obeying all the laws of the land and everything, and they're these clean cut. All those are emissaries of Satan. That's all they are. They're trying to get you hooked into bondage, hooked into some works-based based death cult that has its roots in the Freemasons. Clearly, its roots in the Freemasons. Evil, evil, evil to the core. 
from the research I've seen, the, the high-level occultists, if they were told if they get into trouble from an occultic standpoint, like let's say they've got Christians praying for them and then lose all their occult powers, and that's happened many, many times, that a safe haven for them is to go into the Mormon religion. It's one of the safest places they could be because they can look all squeaky clean and clean cut and wear their magic Mormon underwear, and yes, they literally wear those, and have a, a, a safe haven where they can, you know, mask their true identity and come off with this little, uh, wonderful little veneer facade and, you know, have a, have a place to, I guess, you know, regroup. I don't know. So let's go forward here. Um, most of you just called us liars and fearmongers for daring to suggest such, such a thing, that Mitt Romney would actually put... Uh, this whole Palestinian state language into the Republican National Convention uh, platform. Okay, uh, Especially after Romney had just completed a trip to Israel showing his support for them. But facts are stubborn things. And we are here a week later with everything we said and our story has actually been confirmed. On page 40 of the official PDF, and there's a link here if you don't believe it, on page 49, I'm sorry, of the official PDF file from the RNC National Convention 2012 website, we read the following, quote, We envision, now this is their official Republican National Convention platform uh, statement. We envision two democratic states, Israel with Jerusalem as its capital and Palestine living in peace and security, end of quote. There is no such thing as living in peace and security with Islam. Islam's stated goal is total annihilation of the Jews and then all other infidels after that. What's an infidel? A non-believer in Islam. The Quran clearly states, you behead, you kill, you slay the infidel. You rape their women, you do whatever you want, and then you, you kill them. If they will not convert, you kill them. Because it is of Allah's will that this happened. Allah is the moon god. An ancient pagan deity, fallen angel, that they've been worshipping over in the Middle East for hundreds if not thousands of years that they say is God and is the same God of the Bible. And he's anything but that. Key in Muslim or Islam in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. We've done numerous studies exposing this death cult. And that's what Islam is. Just like the Mormonism. Of course, Islam is much more in your face, you know, with their agenda. Uh, much more of a death agenda, I would say, at least at this point. So, the this language that, um, so this was a actual quote, Mitt Romney's quote, we envision two democratic states, Israel with Jerusalem as its capital, Palestine living in peace and security, right? Absolute contradiction of terms. This is the language that the members of the RNC fought to exclude. So there were members that, of the Republican National Convention that said, we do not want this language in the platform. Okay, But, as we reported, was fought for and won by Romney's team. So now Romney and Obama are both united against Israel. It appears as though Obama... As long as Iran agrees not to attack our bases or any of our interests, they're not going to back Israel's attack. So we're just going to leave Israel out there on its own little island. And, and, and that may probably is the way God wants it. 
Because that may be how Israel will end up turning back to God and getting their eyes finally opened. Is that they'll only have God to fall back on. You know? I don't know. I've always believed we were eventually going to turn our back on Israel. I'll never do it, but collectively America seems as though we're getting to that point. Now we have the other candidate, and it's only going to be Obama or Romney as the, as the next uh, president or whatever. Now we have the next candidate totally turning his back on Israel as well. Maybe not as rapidly, but this is his stated goal, which would be, you know, if this is created, all it's going to do, as I've said before many, many times, is just enable them to get their weapons in closer on Israel and accomplish their final objective, which would be total annihilation of it. So, um, this language was fought for and won by Romney's team. Mitt Romney absolutely 100% wishes to be a driving force in the creation of a Palestinian state created from the partitioned land. The land's already been parted. Remember what we just read in Joel 3.2? You parted my land? Well, they want to part it more. Every time we go along with this and we try to create more land grabs and, and more partitioning of their land, we have God's judgment come on us. And if this finally happens, I can't even imagine. Not to mention the abortion issue, which we just talked about in the previous study. And then all of the other flagrant sin issues that happen in America. All I can say is God's incredibly merciful. A phone call was placed to the RNC Communications Office to verify if the PDF on the Republican National Convention website represented the official platform of Mitt Romney and the RNC. They assured me that it did. You may read the PDF in its entirety here. There's links to all of this information that I'm talking about today. I'm not just making it up. So you can click on that and, and read that. One of the things you can always do if, if you have the time, if you listen to a study, you can literally follow, follow along the PDF with what I'm talking about. Obviously, I get off on multiple tangents per study. Um, most of the time, they're not even planned. It's just... You know, the Holy Spirit, I believe, convicts me about something that maybe needs to be elaborated on. And we go from there. So, next article. Now we're going to shift gears here. Uh, There has been an article floating around the internet for a long time by a self-described gay left-wing man. Okay, meaning he's gay, he's left-wing. Well, anybody that's gay is going to be on the left. Meaning more toward that pro-abortion, obviously pro-homosexual, bisexual, pro-perversion liberal mindset. He's self-described as a gay left-wing man. His name is John Hari. He's a columnist for the London Independent. The article is entitled The Strange, Strange Story of the Gay Fascists. And you can read it for yourself at the vehemently pro-gay Huffington Post website. And there's a link to it right here if you want to read the story by this gay man. Remember, the title of the story is The Strange, Strange Story of Gay Fascists. Gay Fascists. Like fascism, okay? It contains the remarkably forthright admission that homosexuality and fascism have always gone hand in hand. Hari writes, now this is the gay man, he writes, quote, The twisted truth is that gay men have been at the heart of every major fascist movement that ever was, including the gay-gassing homicidal Third Reich. 
this is a gay guy exposing his own group of uh, exposing his, what he is, a homosexual. He's exposing his, I don't want to call him race, because it's not a race. Which is very surprising. Normally, gay people will go out of their way to weasel and worm and, and cover up. But here's a gay guy coming out, flat out, saying that gay men have been at the heart of every major fascist movement that ever was. Including the gay-gassing, homicidal Third Reich of the Nazis, obviously. With the exception of Jean-Marie Le Pen, all of the most high-profile fascists in Europe in the past 30 years have been gay. And he proves this in the article. It's time to admit something. I mean, you can't say the guy's biased. <laughs> I mean, he's gay. <laughs> well, he's biased. It'd be one thing if a Christian was saying all this, supposedly. Oh, well, he's biased. And we're going to get to that in a second. That was a gay guy coming out saying this. Fascism isn't something that just happens out there. It is, in part, at least, a gay thing. Now, this is a quote from this guy. And it's time for the non-fascist gay people to wake up and face the marching music. This is extremely rare that a gay man would ever go there and get into a topic like this, exposing his own you know, group of people. Now, I have a special interest in this article because, now this is the guy writing the story. He says, I have a special interest in this article by this gay man because I am the co-author along with an Orthodox Jewish researcher, Kevin E. Abrams, of the book called The Pink Swastika, Homosexuality in the Nazi Party, which makes it a, clear, a nearly identical claim as this gay man's making, but one backed up with nearly 400 pages of documentation. This is a book I always wanted to read. I, just, I don't have time to read books anymore. I got bombarded by current events every day, and I, if I'm going to read, I'm going to read the Bible. You know, that's where I'm trying to... So, it's, it's just I don't have time to read books like this anymore. But I always wanted to. This book has nearly 400 pages of documentation proving homosexuality in the Nazi party. And confirming what this gay man was saying about the rabid gay population in fascism. He goes on to say... What I find most interesting about Hari's article is that it has garnered virtually no opposition. The few comments on the HuffPo page, meaning the Huffington Post page, are mostly benign. And if you do a search on Hari's name, you will not find a single suggestion that this article constitute Holocaust revisionism or that he himself is a homophobic bigot. Well, how could they? He's, he's a homosexual. In other words, there's no opposition in the gay community saying that this is a lie. There's none. There's none, they're not even debating it. He goes on to say, that's very strange, because I've been called, the guy that wrote the Pink Swastika, the born-again Christian, he says, I've been called both a revisionist and a bigot for writing the Pink Swastika. Indeed, the Southern Poverty Law Center, that legendary beacon of fair-mindedness, has labeled me a hate group for writing the book though they refuse to publicly debate me on the issue. They don't want to, don't confuse us with the facts. Our minds are made up. You're a homophobic bigot. You wrote this book, even though I've got 400 pages of documentation and all the facts are on my side. doesn't matter. You're a homophobic bigot. 
Okay. Isn't that convenient? Isn't that convenient? That's what people that, you know, that are like this do. They just want to categorize somebody and and um, try to drag their name through the dirt and commit all kind of libel against them that are unsubstantiated. That's how they get the spotlight off themselves and onto the other person. They just make up lies about them. Classic satanic tactic. So, on a recent speaking trip to Oklahoma City, my arrival was featured in the newspaper in a story characterizing me as a Holocaust revisionist. (laughs) Why? Because he's pointing out all the gays that are in the Nazi regime? How is that a Holocaust revisionist? Those are the people, typically, that say the Holocaust never happened. He's just pointing out the specifics within the Holocaust and the type of people that were at on the, on the uh, their hands were on the switch of the gas chambers. You know? Or on the triggers of the guns or those types of things. What type of people were actually annihilating the Jews and the Poles and the Gypsies and the undesirables? What type of quality of caliber? Gotta think. If you were capable of going in and gassing people by the hundreds and, and, and shooting innocent people and starving them and had no conscience about it. Don't you think there's a pretty good chance that you were demon-possessed of the toenails if you could go there? I mean, could either you or I do... I mean, can you imagine yourself doing this? Okay, I think, in other words, just like Homeland Security now is just becoming rampant with all these reprobate devils and all these people in TSA that can sit there and grope people all day long. you got to think, there's got to be something physically... Are, are mentally, emotionally, spiritually wrong with these people. How could you, in good conscience, do this stuff all day long and not have a real problem with it? Well, you're demon-possessed of the toenails. You're wicked. You were most likely a vessel of wrath fitted for God's destruction. You're proving that by your actions. You have no conscience about it. You're obviously, your conscience has been seared with a hot iron if you ever had one. You've been turned over to a reprobate mind. And it's funny, when the Bible talks about being turned over to a reprobate mind in Romans 1, who is it talking about? It's talking about homosexuals. Men burning after men and women burning after women. Leaving the natural use of their bodies and going after the same sex. Isn't that funny? That's who it's talking about. So, if you were Satan, and you were wanting to recruit the most evil, wicked people on the planet, who would you try to recruit? Homosexuals, bisexuals, transgender, all the ones that are that are the most demon-possessed and wicked on the planet are them. They also happen to be the same ones that always seem to mysteriously be so pro-abortion. Oh, oh it's, it's a woman's right to destroy their child. Isn't that funny? They all kind of tend to gravitate to the same thing, pro-homosexual, pro-abortion. They all tend to be one big, happy, dysfunctional, satanic fraternity. And they all kind of, kind of get in lockstep and support one another. Isn't that kind of funny that they're all drawn together? Birds of a feather flock together. It's true. Well, that's just more, more proof here of all this. Let's go further. Uh, so they tried to characterize this guy when he got into town, this, the one that wrote the pink swastika, as a Holocaust revisionist. This label has been permanently added to the gay activist talking points about me, as well as the can- canard that the book has been discredited by historians, and it has not. How do you discredit a book with 400 pages of documentation? 
Oh, it's it's all lies. Oh, right. Point by point, you've you've went through and refuted every page of the book. No, it's just convenient, satanically convenient to go and say, "Oh, it's been discredited." End of story. Gay person can look at that and see, say, "See, it's been discredited." Where's the proof? Well, there is no proof. We just said it. <laughs> well, you know, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end are all of the ways of death. He who trusteth in his own heart is a fool. I mean, you know, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. All those are Bible verses I just went through. He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and a shame unto him. That's what these gays would do when they see this. They just want to dismiss and dismiss and dismiss. And act as though there's no validity to any of it. So going further, um, the, the Hari article, meaning that this gay left man that wrote the article, his name, last name's Hari, the Hari article is not the only admission by homosexuals that the Nazi party was filled with gays. At least a fifth of the sources we cited in the pink swastika were homosexuals. Admitted. For example, consider this incredible statement by Ludwig Lentz, the gay assistant director of the Berlin Institute of Sexology. They actually had the Berlin Institute of Sexology. It was the headquarters of Germany's gay movement in the 1920s and 1930s. Following the attack on the institute by the Nazi brown shirts on May 6, 1933. Now, remember, this is following the attack of the Nazi brown shirts. They, they, this was their statement. Okay, the assistant director's statement. He said, quote, Why was it then, since we were completely non-party affiliated, that our purely scientific institute was the first victim which fell to the new regime? Remember, as Hitler started to get into power, he started using the brown shirts and other areas of his um, Nazi regime to eliminate and cover up and destroy political rivals, possibly military rivals, uh, groups that might bring him in a bad light. He wanted to destroy all of them. This was one of the first places they targeted, this Berlin Institute of Sexology. So he says, Why was it then, since we were so completely non-party, that our purely scientific institute was the first victim which fell to the new regime? The answer is, The answer to this is simple. Why? We knew too much. It would be against medical principles to provide a list of Nazi leaders and their perversions. Evidently, they knew about all this. But not even 10% of the men who in 1933 took the fate of Germany into their hands were sexually normal. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand the type of... Talk about something that could be used to blackmail somebody, potentially. They knew way too much about the upper echelon hierarchy of the German Reich military officers. Let me read this again. It would be, a, it would be against medical principles to provide a list of the Nazi leaders and their perversions, but not even 10% of the men who in 1933 took the fate of Germany into their hands were sexually normal? What does that mean? That means at least 90% were not normal. 
not normal? Would, that implies that they were 90% at this level that they knew of that were gay. If you were Satan and you were wanting to recruit an army of sold-out satanic soldiers, you would want them to be the most depraved people that would have no conscience about doing anything, and it's a fact of, of spiritual fact that homosexuals are obviously some of the most demon-possessed people on planet Earth by their own actions. I mean, you got it's pretty bad when you can look at another guy and want to be with another guy. I don't understand that. I just don't understand it. It doesn't compute to me. That is what we're talking about here. Obviously. So up to 90% of these guys were homosexual, probably bisexual. Probably a lot of them lived double lives. They might have had wives. But truly their heart wasn't with their wife. And it makes so much more sense when you see the evil that was perpetuated through Nazi Germany with the prison camps, with all of the evil they condoned. You see all those old film clips and you're thinking, man, alive. It's almost like mass national demonic possession. Well, if the head is sick, the whole body is going to be sick. And from the head flows down. And if these people are following demon-infested, demon-possessed devils, Hitler being at the top and then his handlers above him, the literal seed of Satan, it's going to transfer down into the populace as well. If you were going to, if if Satan goes to recruit a satanic army, these are the best people to recruit. Their consciences have already been seared; they've already been turned over to a reprobate mind. Goes on to say that from this quote, our knowledge of such intimate secrets regarding members of the Nazi Party and other documentary material we possessed about forty thousand confessions and biographical letters was the cause of the complete and utter destruction of the Institute of Sexology. 40,000 confessions of people in the Nazi party? And these are the ones that went, who in 1933 took the fate of Germany into their hands? And we can look at that, and it makes so much more sense to me now, when I look at all of the... The, the, the horrific things they done they did, and you look at that and you say, how could anybody in their right mind perform these evil, evil actions in the, in the death camps, their, their whole Aryan mindset of being the, the, the fifth root race and they're superior to everyone and everyone else has to die? This is how. It makes so much more sense. The hierarchy were mostly turned over to reprobate minds gays and bisexuals and whatever into all manner of perversion and they had 40,000 confessions and biographical letters so as a result of all this documentation that was the cause of the complete and the utter destruction of the Institute of Sexology according to this makes total sense black and white if you were Satan you'd want to cover this up too and this is this article is highly referenced. There's a gigantic reference to that, what I just said. Now, next point. How about this quote from Adolf Brand, editor of Der Eugene, the first homosexual magazine in Germany. And he says, quote, 
Men such as Captain Rome, who was Hitler's gay mentor, are to our knowledge no rarity at all in the National Socialist Party. They weren't. This wasn't a rarity. This was the norm. It rather teems that there were homosexuals of all kinds. And the joy of man with man, ugh, which has been slandered in their paper so often as an oriental vice. Now, I'm going to really break this down. This is a gay guy who started the first homosexual magazine in Germany, openly stating Captain Rome was Hitler's gay mentor. And this was no rarity at all in the National Socialist Party. There were homosexuals of all kind, and the joy of man with man, which is beyond disgusting, which has been slandered in their paper so often as an oriental vice, meaning, oh, it's, it shouldn't be slandered in his eyes. And then it goes on to say, although the Edda, now what is the Edda? The Edda is the, it's called, the full name is the Poetic Edda. It is a collection of old Norse poems, primarily preserved in Icelandic medieval manuscripts called the Codic Regis. Now I added this in. Because I wanted to know every term they were talking about. I wanted to break it down. I went and looked all this stuff up. The Poetic Edda is the most important extant source on Norse mythology and German heroic legends. See, this is what the Aryan fifth or the, the Aryan race, and they wanted to create what they call the fifth root race, the super god race. Tall, blonde hair, blue-eyed. Nordic-looking men who would rule the world. Okay? The Edda was the collection of all these old Norse, Icelandic, medieval, uh, uh, Norse mythology and German heroic legends that the Nazi party patterned itself after, that Hitler heavily patterned himself after. This was a really big deal to them. Like the, the operas with Wagner and all that. That's all based on that, on these Teutonic legends. Okay, it formed their worldview and their mindset, and they wanted to bring the world back to these to these heroic, you know, Norse, German, Icelandic legend times. That's what they were trying to get back to, and they believed that they were the, these these Aryan warriors commissioned to do this. And the gods of this are all pagan, like Odin and those types of things. So let me go back here. Although the Edda uh, frankly extols it as the highest virtue of the Teutons. Now, Teutons, what are they? Remember the Teutonic legends? Again, very much the same as the tied in with this Edda. The Teutons was a member of an ancient people, probably of German or Celtic origin, who lived in, in what they call Jutland around one until about 100 BC. You see the Teutonic legends, you see the Edda. Let me put all this in full context in this quote this, from this gay guy who started the first gay magazine, openly gay magazine in Germany. He talks about the joy of man with man. <laughs> okay. And he says, this has been slandered, the whole joy of man with man, the whole gay thing, in their papers, um, and, and found to be an oriental vice. Although the Edda, meaning this poetic Edda of Norse mythology that the Nazi party and Hitler totally based so much of what they... And they also in, in, incorporated this into high-level occult ceremonies like the Thule Society and these types of things. 
These people were heavily involved in homosexuality and the occult. Okay? Which goes hand in hand with also abortion, child sacrifice. You get into an occult standpoint with this whole thing. The joy of man with man, although um, was slandered, but the Edda and the Edda extols it. What does it extol? The joy of man with man. That's what these that this poetic Edda does. It basically says, this is normal, Mr. German Nordic guy, you reading this. Men being with men is normal, and it extols it. It basically um, rubber stamps it as a wonderful, wonderful thing. It extols it as the highest virtue of the Teutons, which is where we get the Teutonic legends from, which is what they were trying to get back to with this whole Aryan fifth root race garbage. So you have to understand, from a Nazi occultic German standpoint, they viewed the the poetic Edda as like their playbook. What did the Edda do? It extolled man-on-man gay relations as the highest virtue of their race. You see why I had to break this down? Because if I would have just read that real quick, it would have... I had to really look at it. Isn't that sick? It wasn't just... It was the highest virtue. (laughs) This is how sick this poetic Edda and their worldview was. This is what they base things off of. You know, and then you throw in Darwinism, which is, they were huge believers in that, where they viewed the Jews and the blacks and these as just inferior races. They were just one step above the apes. They had to all be annihilated because there's no way those other inferior races could ever evolve into the the, the fifth root race, the Aryan, God-man, which is what they were trying to create. This is why with the Nazi party in particular, there were all types of minimum requirements to be an SS soldier. The SS were like the elite, the military, you know, the, the Hitler's guard. They were the elite. They had all these minimal requirements that you had to meet in order to be a SS soldier. And that included tracing your lineage because lineage was a gigantic thing to them for these very obvious reasons of this whole Scandinavian Norse stuff. Um, so, the Edda extols it, men with men, as the highest virtue of the Teutons, and blossoms around their campfires, and is cultivated and fostered by them in a way done in no other male union that is reared on pol- uh, party politics. So in other words, they extol this, this they, 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 they elevated this poetic Edda to the Nazi regime, and these stories blossomed around campfires, which is kind of a symbolic thing. They would get together and talk about these things and extol them. And they were, they were cultivated and fostered by them, the Nazi race, essentially, in a way done in no other male union that is reared on poly party politics. The threatened hanging on the gallows with which they allege they want to exterminate homosexuals is therefore only a horrible gesture that is supposed to make the stupid people believe that, quote, the Hitler people 
in the matter of male-to-male inclinations, are all as innocent as pigeons and as pure as angels, just like the pious members of the Christian Society of the Virgin, which are the Catholics. Now, let me break that down, that last sentence, because it's a gigantic like run-on sentence that you have to break down. The way this guy writes is horrific. So, he's saying, the threatened hanging on the gallows, which they allege they want to exterminate homosexuals. Hitler supposedly exterminated a lot of homosexuals. You'd say, well, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Why would he exterminate his own kind? The threat, they wanted to, it's just like the Muslims. They want to portray themselves as so morally pure. And so, I mean, they, the, the, the Muslims, oh, you, you pagan Americans, and you, you um, they've called Christians pagans because we have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're, we're pagans because we, have, we worship multiple gods. I mean, they say all this stuff. And the Muslims act like they're so morally upright and, and so much more uh, sexually pure in, 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 every, in every way, shape, and form. Okay. The Nazis wanted to create a facade where they were doing the same thing. We are this upright, fifth root race, Aryan God-man, and we, we are morally superior in, in every way. But behind closed doors, so on the outward they were saying, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll kill the homosexuals, we'll kill the undesirables and these things, even though they were homosexuals, or probably bisexuals. They supposedly want to exterminate the homosexuals. It's therefore only a horrible, horrible gesture that is supposed to make stupid people think and believe that the Hitler people, meaning the Nazis, in the matter of male-to-male relationships, are all as innocent as pigeons and pure as angels. It's, it's a facade. It's all a lie. They're killing the very people, or some of the very people, that they actually are. But these were the homosexuals that were out there like there was probably no doubt about it. You know? It was a lot of homosexuals you cannot tell unless God gives you discernment. You can't tell. They act like you know, or look, act like a normal guy a lot of times. I mean, not behind closed doors, but obviously if you just met them in public. That's how the Nazis portrayed themselves. They weren't going around limp-wristed and flitting around the the Nazi bases and wearing pink whatever. (laughs) I mean, that's what... I'm sure that's not how they were portraying themselves. Those kinds of people that were in society were the ones that were exterminated to present this veneer that they're against homosexuals. Because they know from a moral standpoint, if if that was like well known that there was a whole bunch of gay Nazi guys limp-wristed flitting around Nazi bases, that that would not exactly breed fear into their into their uh, opponents. Or that the world would be like, what is going on with these guys? I mean, Hitler was Time Magazine's Man of the Year two times. He was the Time Magazine Man of the Year. This is how, this is, this is how duped and brainwashed the world was about Hitler. And you know the people at Time Magazine knew what was going on. Hopefully I've I've driven that point home of why this all was the case. They wanted to appear as innocent as pigeons and as pure as angels in regard to this. See, we're against this. No, they're not. They are that. (laughs) And then it says, and then they, 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 they say just like Innocent as pigeons and pure as angels, just like the pious members of the Christian Society of the Virgin. What is he in reference to there? The Catholics. And I agree with him. Why? Catholic pedophile priesthood. 
I've got, done a whole teaching that I give you the link here. The Catholic Priest Pedophiles. You can click on that. The legions of pedophile priests that go back to ever since the inception of the Catholic Church. What wonderful fruit from a cult. Pedophiles. So they're comparing these, this group of homosexual Nazi regime who wanted to present this veneer of we're morally upright and we want to appear as pure as angels and innocent as pigeons. They're comparing them to the pious members of the Christian Society of the Virgin, the Catholics, who they know to be totally hypocritical as well, just like the Nazis. That's the point he's trying to make. It's honest. We're getting some truth here. There's a gigantic reference to this quote that I just read as well. This is not. These are just some of the quotes from the pink swastika. Just some. So. Um, the Washington Blade, the newspaper of the homosexual community in Washington, D.C., reported on the research of John Fout, a gay history professor at Bard College in New York City. He said, quote, The Nazis shut down two, shut down the two or three gay political organizations that had been operating in Germany as soon as Hitler took power in 1933. Hitler did not want this type of press Surrounding him. So he eliminated things that could potentially make him look bad. Remember, the war didn't break out till years later. So he wanted to have this facade that he was this morally upright person up until the time when he invaded, you know, started his invasions of these other countries. He wanted to put the, his best, you know, facade forward, essentially. So, uh, the Nazis shut down the two or three active gay political organizations that had been operating in Germany as soon as Hitler took power in 1933. However, according to Fount, gay bars and bathhouses remained open until the late 1930s. The gay urban subculture survived the Nazi period, said Fout. Now this would be a lot of, now here we get where the rubber meets the rope. This would have been a lot to where these guys went in anonymity in their spare time, the Nazi people, to have a place to go, to interact with other men, just like Obama did before he was in office. It's well known. I mean, the Chicago gay bathhouses, all of his gay lovers that were all all of a sudden turned up murdered, all these weird pictures of him with other guys. It's a huge, huge thing. I could do a whole study on that. There's been a lot of people that have done that. Isn't that funny? We've got the most wicked guy in office, and he's a closet, basically bisexual, I would, I would assume. Reprobate. Totally pro, most pro-abortion. Isn't that funny how it all goes hand in hand? Rabidly pro-abortion president ever on record. Rabid liar. Pathological liar. Closet homosexual. All types of witnesses. All the gay lovers turn up dead. Gay bathhouse things in Chicago, and one of the most wicked cities in America, and now he's, a, he's the guy at the helm. And then you look at the Nazi regime and you compare it to Obama. It's, it's the same blueprint. Same total blueprint. Different day. Let's go further. Uh, there are just a few citations to gay sources in the pink swastika. But back to the, to the Hari 
And there is a problem on of gay fascism deniers at the end of the lengthy article in which he collaborates corroborates a great many facts cited in the pink swastika and adds quite a number that we were not even aware of. When Hari states, quote, in contrast to his self-serving and gay-causing and gay-cause-serving libel about the pink swastika, Hari's recitation of the facts about homofascism in history as well as those of other gay sources have an especially high degree of trustworthiness. Um, They fall within the category of testimony that our judicial system calls admissions against interest. Homosexualists, whatever that means, can can be expected to insult pro-family conservatives, and we would rightly suspect their opinions of being biased. Now, this is back to the the main article. Um, In other words, what he's saying here, this Hari, what he's talking about with the guy that wrote the pink swastika, he's saying that this Hari, this gay left man that's wrote all this stuff, recitation of facts about homofascism in history, as well as other gay sources, have an especially high degree of trustworthiness. Now, what you'd say, why is that? Why would we trust some gay guy writing about homosexuality and fascism being like almost one and the same, tied together? Because they fall within a category of testimony that our judicial system calls, quote, admissions against interest. Meaning, homosexual, homosexual people can be expected to insult pro-family conservatives, and we would rightly suspect their opinions as being biased. But, when a dyed-in-the-wool gay activist writer like Hari tells you that, quote, gay men have been at the heart of every major fascist movement that ever was, and, quote, that all of the most high-profile fascists in Europe in the past 30 years have been gay, you can take that to the bank. So what, I mean, why would he lie about it? He's gay. He's not like a Christian writing against gays. He's one of them. He's just being matter of fact. The pig swastika has 400 pages of documentation. This guy also had a lot of documentation. He's got, you can't say he's biased. He has an axe to grind. What, he has an axe to grind against his own race? Or not race, but own group of perverted people? Doesn't make any sense. So what about those hard leftists like the Southern Poverty Law Center folks and other homosexual experts who know the truth about, quote, gay fascism, but suppress it? Well, that's what the pink swastika, the book, is for. To be a resource filled, and there's links to the book and um, here, uh, to be a resource filled with undeniable facts to show up the dishonest deniers who they really are. I urge you to pick up a copy of the Pink Swastika at the World Daily Net Superstore, and there's a link there you can go to if you want to get that. But in the meantime, you're invited to read a free PDF of Chapter 1 to see the truth for yourself. So if you want to read the PDF, there's a link there, right on my PDF for um, September 9th, 2012, and then it gives you a little biography of who is Dr. Scott Lively, the, the guy that um, he's the president, founder and president of Defend the Family International and has been so since 1997. He's an attorney, pastor, and human rights consultant, and he's promoted and defended the biblical view of marriage and family in more than 30 countries. Author of five books, including The Pink Swastika, Homosexuality in the Nazi Party, 
and um, Redeeming the Rainbow, a Christian response to the gay agenda. Um, so goes on to say some other stuff about him. So anyway, I've done many teachings on the gay agenda, and I list most of them right here. Uh, one of them is entitled Soul Force to Bring Gay Agenda to Six Megachurches. Next one is called Hate Crimes Update, the Gay Agenda Hirelings and Judas Goats in the Pulpit. Uh, end Time Current Event teaching I did where I talked about a couple of those. And then um, another one called America's Declining Morality Expose. Uh, an, another eight-part teaching I did on Disney on how there's so much gay agenda evil stuff with Disney. Uh, Eight-part teaching, I give you the links to those here. And then the deception of Christian ghostwriting, where we've got gay ghostwriting authors writing books for supposed Christian ministers. Just unbelievable stuff. All documented. None of the stuff I'm making up. And then pseudo-Christianity gone insane. That was another teaching I did. So you can click on those if you like and get some more information now. That brings us to the end of part two. And we should have one more part, and we'll be all finished for today. So God bless you. We'll see you in part three.